Hey everybody, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 129. 129 feeling fine this week. We've got Anthony Patch, beloved friend of the show and somebody who just consistently is bringing the heat. This conversation, we talk about things like the sentient world simulation, the social media craziness going on, cryptocurrencies. I mean, it's all serious business, Gons. Yeah, it's a couple weeks old or a few weeks old, the conversation is, but you know, everything is still had it in the can it's been in the can as they say in the industry just waiting for the perfect moment to strike but that moment has come but before we get into the conversation we've got some fun stuff to tell you guys about that's right we got uh the facebook group yes first of all the facebook group has surpassed 1000 members that's one thousand canarians who are uh you know not just so you can like the facebook page is one thing but uh joining the facebook group is an entirely different thing it's a wonderful space if you have not yet joined the canary cry community search that on facebook or go to facebook.com slash groups slash canary cry community uh there's a lot of very active and enthusiastic canarians conversations going on about all sorts of stuff and so i would recommend everybody get over there it's a real happening real happening place that's good well hopefully facebook is around long enough for us to uh you know figure <laughs> yeah, out a get, place to, to land get, and- get over there quick because also you know it's looking like we one of these days we're gonna have to get off facebook so if you want to uh you know keep up on where we will be moving everything that's a good place to do it yeah it's a good launching pad to our next endeavor basil yeah speaking of next endeavors if you have not yet checked out canary cry news talk you gotta do it things are really heating up over there actually guns you and i are about to record another episode for this week and we've actually started doing something kind of cool on the website canarycrynewstalk.com traditionally it's just a you know a half hour podcast guns of you and i recapping some news stories that our listeners may not have heard maybe some they have and uh reflecting upon them in the light of what we talk about here on this show a lot of ai and crypto and geopolitics and robotics and things like that really just a a nice overview of the beast system progress uh during that week but what we found was that i mean we were sifting through so many stories that we just didn't have time to address on the show so if you are a listener of canary cry news talk or if you are a future Future listener of Canary Cry News Talk, which is I'm hoping, assuming is a, many of you. If you go to CanaryCryNewsTalk.com, not only will you get the podcast, but we have also started to aggregate all the stories that don't make it on the show, and there are a lot of good ones. Yeah, about eighty percent of the, or well, more than that, probably eighty-five to ninety percent of the articles we don't talk about on the actual podcast so yeah and don't worry it's not like a lot of those uh agri uh, agriculture <laughs> aggregator <laughs> sites you know a lot of news aggregator sites are are kind of uh packed jam-packed and it's kind of hard to navigate it's a little overwhelming for me personally um but we make it you nice don't, you don't like the drudge well you know i love the drudge it is a little bit of a cramped website it is though. a little bit yeah <laughs> 
So this is nice and simple. We've got uh, some some uh, simple categories that will sort of change here and there. Just technology, AI, biomedical, human genetics, things like that. Aliens, ETs, UFOs, robots that do things. Speaking of the beast system is its own category. And uh, it's just a great place to keep up on a lot of the news that you should be keeping up on. But maybe you're not seeing it float around the Facebook. You know, sometimes we we rely on Facebook a little bit too much for our news. But now we know that that's all, be, that's all being controlled by the the algos and the and the Zuckerbergs. I will not let Facebook control me. Good job. I will guns. move over to the blah, 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 blockchain. Very good. <laughs> that might be the first use of the uh, soundboard in a Canary Cry radio episode. And if you want to hear more of Gonz's cool soundboard, go listen to Canary Cry News Talk. Okay, one last announcement here before we get into the episode. By now, we have started our Patreon campaign. You may have seen our, uh, or heard, hopefully you listened to it, our little uh, mini post about our Patreon campaign. And I want to let you guys know that we have resisted the Patreon for as long as we can. But we're there now, and actually, we're pretty excited. We've got some super awesome rewards, as well as some, um, I think, some very supportable support levels so uh we based all of our support levels on some of our favorite uh things in the bible you know you've got your three dollars and 16 cents that's a pretty obvious one there um so anyways i won't get too much into it now because we did a big post on it here on the feed but if you guys are not yet a supporter of canary cry radio and you feel led you now have the opportunity to do that. All our PayPal supporters, thank you so much for supporting us through PayPal. You have the option to either stick with the PayPal option or move over to Patreon, whatever works best for you. And our whole goal for this Patreon thing, as you may have heard in our little announcement, is the biggest thing is we just want to see if we can raise the listener to supporter ratio. Throughout the history of Canary Cry Radio, we've never actually hit 1% of supporters to listeners. Um, so we're seeing if we can hit that 1%, maybe 2%, whatever it may be. Uh, just go ahead and pray about it. And if the Lord is leading you to support this program so we can continue, not just continue, but increase our output of uh, episodes and things like that, then please head to patreon.com slash canary cry radio and if you're already a supporter uh and if you've been supporting this program for uh, any amount of time we are so deeply and warmly thankful for you because uh, it's really the only reason that we're able to continue doing the show yes okay anything to add guns uh yeah and for people that have been supporting us i do plan to send you guys a little message so look out for that if you've been a longtime supporter and to start off our Patreon campaign, we are setting a goal for 100 patrons. Again, that's 100 patrons. Uh, we're not setting a dollar amount necessarily. We just want to see how many people want to get involved. When we hit 100 patrons, we have a very special episode that we're going to put out. Yes, and I wish I was better prepared to make more of a, uh, a grand uh, announcement <laughs> 
with, well, with this whole thing. Well, should we hold on? Should we hold on to the the official announcement? Because we'll, we'll we will certainly put out another episode before we hit 100 patrons. So I will say, when we hit 100 patrons, we have a very special episode that Gons and I are uh, putting out. That uh, is going to be probably my personal favorite, and I feel a lot of people's favorite out there. (laughs) It's going to be good. It's it's been something that's been brewing. I think it's. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, but I don't know either. It seems like this should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, but now it's happening. And uh, when we hit what we're just setting it as a goal, if 100 people head over to Patreon.com/slash. Canary Cry Radio and support at any amount, even a dollar. That will count towards the 100 patrons goal, and I'm just so excited. Maybe we'll do, an- <laughs> maybe we'll do another announcement. Maybe when we another get closer. Teaser. Okay, all right, Gans, are you ready to listen to our conversation with Anthony Patch? <laughs> yes, ready to go. I'm ex- I'm excited to listen to it again because. Man, it was good. And uh, okay, I'll stop talking. I'm patching Here we go, everybody. In. Let, let's patch into the blockchain. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> Let's now take this to the next step. Let's put a whole bunch of chips together on a PC board. Now let's take those PC boards and stack them together. Now let's build a computer the size of this room. If we build a computer the size of this room, in five to 10 years, we could possibly simulate the entire human body. That's 37 trillion cells. And the thing about doing this is that you can bio-Google medical cures. There are so many parameters in biology. Biology is so complex. You've now built this gigantic cloud computer that literally can Google all the possibilities. And with a few improvements in these chips, they could be 7 million times faster, not just 31,000. Which means literally something that would take a computer 12 years to do now could be possibly done in six minutes. If you can do it in six minutes, you just try everything. You don't kill hundreds of thousands of animals to do your drug test. You do it electronically. You have an electronic organ that you do your tests on. You use it to design biotechnological things. You use it to design medicine. If you think I'm talking about science fiction and I'm crazy, I am not. I am very, very grounded in this regard, okay? So just keep that in mind. So what I'm telling you is that the wet and the dry are very deeply connected. We have to learn to be amphibians. And if we do, there are a lot of applications that can bring together this universal language of analog circuits and the analog circuit pentagon to do many things. So my paradigm shift is actually a very, very simple one. We need to go back to the future. This is Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody, you are listening to Canary Cry Radio, and my name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 129. Wow. Not quite 130. <laughs> a little more than 128. <laughs> yes. A little more? Yeah. Just, just a, little. a little. Okay. Is that your pulse rate? 
There you go. Uh, in the last five years, AI startups have popped up all over the world with billions of dollars in funding arriving for the first time. Companies like Deep Brain Chain out of China are building a decentralized neural network that spans around the world for managing all your data across any industry or individual that decides to participate. And they're not alone as the technology of the one world economy has truly arrived. Sold on the concept of reliability to distribute, protect, and analyze information as well as move the data across any distance to anyone who has the key to access it, the tech can be used to put power back into the hands of the people, quite literally, with biometric identification, unfortunately. However, the bare necessities to participate in such an economy combined with the genetic alterations planned by current futurists and technologists as well as the occult sciences that are being conducted at places like CERN in Geneva, Switzerland, all point to some biblical-level events that might unfold in our lifetimes. And joining us to discuss these matters is uh, a guy who is uh, constantly on the show. It looks like uh, episode 108, episode 112, he's back on episode 129. Anthony Patch, welcome back. Well, thank you, Gons. Thank you, Basil, for inviting me back. It's always a pleasure. And you guys are always on the leading edge at the tip of the spear of this kind of information. So I love the conversations we have because I don't really have to go through the basics. You guys are already there. Your audience, of course, is always up to speed with what you're presenting. And uh, I appreciate that. It's very refreshing. So thanks for having me back. You bet, oh, and we're glad to have you back once again. You know, when you find something that works, you just keep doing it, and that's why we have you back here. And, you know, it's so funny because we've this is your third time on since episode 100, and people are still asking for you. We get requests all the time, so this is us uh, soothing the masses, giving <laughs> the people what they want, baby. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so, um, Gons, are we trying to we trying to do any uh, nice nice friendly uh, up top uh, uh, small talk, or are we jumping right into things here? I think we should jump right in. I, I I think there's enough small talk already. Okay, so Anthony, as you mentioned, you know we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Uh, as we start to get deeper into this episode. Uh, what, before that, why don't you let us know what you've been up to? What is your current uh, focus right now? Well, it's pretty much the same thing you guys cover. Um, I tend to go a little bit deeper sometimes to agonizing levels of detail with my audience. Um, I hope they bear with me, but it's AI. You know, I, I really sort of came into the public venue regarding CERN. And, and I still research on CERN and speak to it, but really what is the most pressing issue that people can relate to is this exponential explosion, this parabolic increase in the discussion of artificial intelligence and, you know, the multiple applications of it, the levels of stratification of it. It's almost like weeds coming up in your lawn. It's everywhere. So we do need to focus on that and talk about it because it is impacting our daily lives. So that's really where I'm at right now is quantum computing. Yes, particle physics, quantum mechanics, because all of those build quantum computing. And from that, the direct growth of artificial intelligence from 
classical computing, which is transistor-based, and now into qubits, quantum bits in quantum computing. And you guys have been nice enough to allow me to talk extensively about D-Wave systems. And I have a new piece to that puzzle called Quadrant, which is a new subsidiary of D-Wave systems. And we'll talk about that a little bit today, but I'm really kind of holding that back for my Patreon patrons as exclusive content and also for my subscribers to Entangled Magazine. Quadrant's the new game in town, and this is, in a nutshell, if you picture a funnel for big data, that's where the neck of the funnel resides, and I'm going to be revealing what they're doing with all that data and how they do it, plus the spiritual, the occultic, as you mentioned, Gons, in your opening statement, the the occult nature of CERN, and there definitely is an occult nature to Quadrant as well. Go ahead, guys. Wow. Fascinating. You know, you make a, a really interesting point, and I'm just going to make a connection to my own life. You mentioned the conversations about AI and how they really, I mean, it is a topic of conversation that, Gons, you and I, we used to be the cool, weird guys talking about AI pretty much every week on Canary Cry News Talk. Um, and, uh, but it, it, the conversations, like you said, keep popping up like weeds. I was mowing a lawn the other day, a lawn, <laughs> not my lawn. I'm a podcaster. I got to make money somehow. I was mowing this lawn, and two days later, there was there were weeds that were literally a foot tall, and uh, th- that's kind of how this AI conversation has been going. Mm. S- s- there's barely anybody talking about it. It used to be just us, but now everywhere I turn. Um, you know, there's really great conversations happening uh, in the mainstream as well as kind of the weird folk like us. Uh, is it just a product of the technology um, getting better and, and being used more in uh, products, future products, uh, the, the potential around the world uh, that is causing this explosion. I mean, is there anything like this before? I don't remember conversations like this happening when, I don't know, the toaster was invented. (laughs) Well, if you refer to my Entangled magazine when it comes out in May, I have an article entitled The Antichrist Infrastructure. And within that, I point out that going back to the 1950s and 60s, AI in that formative time was called cybernetics. And that has grown into this public discussion of the label of AI because it used to be something that was relegated to controlling not only computers, but controlling um, pumps and transformers and a lot of the infrastructure systems. This was something that engineers were involved in, not really computer engineers, but hardcore Uh, infrastructure engineers that have developed the basic understanding of machine operation, machine control, that's been picked up and placed onto machine control of computing machines. And that's really the origin of it. And why is it all of a sudden in the mainstream? Well, we look at, for example, we look at Google. Google has said that everything that they are doing now will begin with AI and that they will be developing products 
that were inconceivable prior to AI and could not be developed and implemented without AI first developing the product. So that's where we're at, just in a nutshell. Wow. Yeah, it's it's created this weird uh, generative machine environment where you know that the kind of crazy kooky conspiracy theorist you know looking far into the future is machines creating other machines but that's not so kooky anymore that's exactly what's happening yeah this is the deeper discussion of machine learning and that is that the machines now at the highest levels of ai we need to keep in mind that there are multiple stratifications of AI from the devices you have in your home that you can speak with all the way out to the leading edge, which is literally called edge computing. This edge computing now with the network and specifically being applied to the blockchain environment, edge computing is now the leading edge of what we should be discussing in terms of AI, because at the edge of the network, they are embedding devices with low-level, artificially intelligent computers that are not only, as a sensor, gathering data and then transmitting data through the cloud, through a 5G system, but they're actually performing computations at the edge, at the source of the data, And the reason for that is to then take the results of that computation rather than the raw data, taking a smaller amount of data, thereby decreasing the load on the bandwidth that's required to transmit now a smaller, let's call it a solution that was derived at the edge is now transmitted back to the servers, back through the cloud, making for a much faster transmission of data a much more, um, I would say, time-intensive, but certainly reducing the cost. But when we talk about edge computing and we look at this overlay of the blockchain system that you guys have covered extensively, blockchain really is the raw infrastructure, from my Christian perspective, that sets the stage for all of the applications of technology that Satan is setting up. And therefore, it is the infrastructure that will allow, as is described in Scripture, allow the Antichrist literally to control all buying and selling, but to control all humans as well. And we can talk about that more. You know what, man? (laughs) It really puts us in a bind because... The uh, the blockchain technology, as Gons and I have said before, it's pretty impressive, and it, it allows for some pretty cool stuff. And obviously, um, you know, cryptocurrencies are included in that. But uh, I, the real value of this whole explosion of technology is the blockchain, not necessarily Bitcoin itself. But it's a it's a real uh, it's a it's a real confusing time for people who enjoy the wonders of technology, but also are tuned in to the problems that it's going to present. Um, so thanks for being a, a, a blockchain buzzkill. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that should, that's going to be a thing. We should just call that thing a thing now, the blockchain yeah. buzzkill. Another horizontal aspect of our brand. Um, 
What's a now? You mentioned this edge computing, and, and we don't need to get too deep. If uh, you think it might be a better idea to save it for later, what is a practical example of the edge, uh, the edge, or the edge computing that you mentioned uh, it, to give people sort of a, a mental picture? Well, let's say that um, something as simple as controlling the thermostat in your home uh, is much like a smart meter in your home. If you have data that is being generated, there has to be some analysis of that data that takes place. So if we're talking about the temperature in your home and the powers that be want to ration the amount of electricity or natural gas or coal, whatever it is that's generating the heat in your home, if they want to control that, then they are going to monitor what it is that you're consuming, how much you're consuming. And remotely, if through that computation, through that monitoring, if they decide that you're using too much in the way of resources, they'll just turn the heat down or mm. cut off your supply. I mean, that's a very basic idea. But let's take it to blockchain. Let's go out to the more complex level. Virtually Every aspect of our lives is being shifted over to the blockchain, and therefore we have computations that are taking place. So it's not just the cryptocurrencies that are being generated, but now within all of these, uh, as they claim, encrypted areas that are supposedly private, all of that data that goes on, whether you're talking about a legal contract or you're talking about your personal private information and we'll talk about facebook and social media but all of that generates a profile and this is where it gets a little insidious but it also will relate over to quadrant and we can talk about that in a little bit but they're developing not only a personality profile but an entire profile that results in gons i think you covered this before uh, in terms of an actual avatar out to a 3D avatar, not mm. only that is within the computer environment, not only in silico, but an avatar that will then be reproduced in that computer environment, but even to the extent of realizing a solid three-dimensional avatar in multiplicity of you that's out there doing work for you and generating revenue. Anyway, the point is, hey, the I, blockchain. I like that last part. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, yeah, it sounds great. Little clones of me making money for me out there somewhere. Sure. Okay, that's it. That's all that's I had. Enticing. <laughs> that's that's you enticing you. <laughs> they're getting me, Anthony. They're getting me. Get me out of here. <laughs> but just think of it this way: all data that is generated requires some ability to put it in context to make that data useful for some application and that's the computation that is taking place and therefore if you want as an employer to monitor what your employee is doing then that would be an example just within the workplace of edge computing that's taking place because of the monitoring the transmission of that data once it's been processed once it's made sense of or put into a context is usable and a lot of this data by the way kind of leaping out is being moved from numerical in its representation to graphical representation 
borrowing from the game game industry with graphical processing units. Much of where the direction in computing is going now is to represent data graphically, image-wise, because we as humans, we can handle a picture much more than we can handle just raw numbers that really don't mean anything to us. It's interesting because it always comes back to surveillance, it seems. You know, it's the the big task of, you know, these human beings developing uh, all this technology and these systems. It always has to do with surveillance nowadays. Uh, it has to do with gathering data from human beings, uh, un, whether they're unwilling or they're willing or whatever. You, be, you are a data set for some machine somewhere. You can, you can hardly operate in this world without generating some sort of data point that's going to be <laughs> run through multiple layers of uh, calculations by the end of the day. Well, we are the product. We are not the consumer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yep. like it. That's why everything was free. Uh, <laughs> you were mentioning, Basil, at the beginning how we're living in this time where, where AI and machine learning is, is in the news all the time now. And obviously, you know, people listening to this, it might be a few days or even a couple of weeks since this, but timing always seems to, to work in our favor, especially when Anthony's on. Uh, because uh, let me just read a couple headlines. Forbes, uh, 12 hours ago, published 27 incredible examples of AI and machine learning in practice. And then another one, seizing the market value of AI. NPR just published Kids, Meet Alexa, your AI Mary Poppins. Oh that, my that's, gosh. That's comforting. Um, <laughs> that's the terrifying. Independent uh, published Google founder warns of AI's, quote, sci-fi style sentience potential. And so, I mean, this is just out of control in terms of like the amount of AI being pushed even to our kids. And then, and then you look at, you know, you were talking about edge computing and, and it's really interesting because Nokia, they, they just came out with this uh, open edge server, basically. And uh, one of the things they have, it's like a multi-rack thing. It's much cheaper to build if I understand, but it's built for 5G technologies. Correct. Yes, 5G is the transmission bandwidth that all of this uh, Internet of Things, and we're moving away from using that term Internet of Things to edge computing. You'll hear, hear that used more frequently now, and that is 5G will be carrying all of this edge computing data. And, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time with this article, Antichrist Infrastructure, in which I'm listing basically all the different types now of deep machine learning. And, you know, we used to, you and I, the three of us would talk about things like recursive neural network or deep neural network training right. and how the machines could, you know, generatively in a generative adversarial network, they could teach each other and they could even exceed as the student, the teacher, which was another AI. Now these acronyms have just exploded. There are so many different versions of machine learning now, and I try to lay some of those out. But you're right. The big players out there are all pushing AI because you cannot operate in this infrastructure unless you have your varying levels of artificial intelligent programming. And it isn't just within the world of quantum computing. That's at the 
leading edge of what we're talking about with blockchain. That's what's really pushing it. But even within the transistor-based, within classical computing, AI exists and will continue to be the majority player is classical computing. So we're not leaving transistors behind in all of this. And we talk about companies like NVIDIA. They shifted their whole business model. I mean, they started out in gaming with graphical processing units. NVIDIA very early as an early adopter of AI just about a year ago, they shifted over into the AI um, movement and they developed a new graphical processing unit architecture called Volta. And that really emphasizes the deep machine learning and the acceleration of it. So they're the big player, but so is AMD. AMD came out with a huge, huge new chipset as well as Google themselves using TensorFlow framework. So yeah, Yeah, it's easy. It's not something that's just kind of, you know, for, you know, the geeks in the basement. This is where all businesses have to jump on the bandwagon because they will be left behind. You guys covered extensively the blockchain and cryptocurrencies and talked about people like Walmart having to jump on board and issue their own crypto coin. And it goes beyond that now to where if you don't have the embedded AI as a business that can make sense of even the data that you as your own business are generating, much less what's happening in the rest of the world. If you cannot pick out through AI the patterns that are occurring deeply embedded in your own generated data, you are going to lose market position and market share. It's all about identifying data patterns. And again, they will relate that to non-computer programmers, people that are just using the devices in, in the workplace. They're going to represent those deeply embedded patterns of data, as I said, as a graphical representation. This is why NVIDIA jumped on it with their GPUs, because the I wouldn't say the average person. I'm just saying the non-computer literate person who is not a computer engineer, not a computer programmer, for them to be able to make use of the data, it has to be represented in a graphical way. So the point to that whole discussion, that whole presentation there is deeply embedded patterns within the data. That's why AI is so important. Sounds like we need to get some AI on our uh, RSS feed telling us what to do and what to not do in order to <laughs> ensnare our listeners into uh, coming back every week. It'll probably tell me not to sleep at night. <laughs> you know, Gons, all this, this, this three hours of sleep you're getting every night, you could really put this time to use to uh, creating more episodes. I'm pretty sure, you know, um, which is, uh, you know, on this podcast, we rely on actual intelligence, which is listeners uh, giving us feedback. So make sure to give us feedback so we know um, how to change and, and adapt to our environment. Um, you know, it's really interesting. You mentioned about the the businesses uh, pretty much in the future 
more or less not going to be able to survive without artificial intelligence. And this has led to a big boom in the employment of kind of the fringy weirdos of the computer engineering sector who were playing around with this thing called AI. You know, for the longest time, when we started this show, we would mention AI and we kind of, uh, you know, we talked about its possibilities, especially in the context of Bible prophecy, things like that. But this was six years ago. This was when AI was just sort of, uh, it was an imaginary abstract future. And now we're getting there, and it's uh, a little bit more worrisome, if you can believe it, than we even thought it would be when we were theorizing about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, more or less, it still kind of comes down to the privacy issues. Uh, You know, you mentioned creating 3D proxies that could go out there, go to work for me. But still, we're sort of in this... uh, area where privacy and surveillance are the main casualties Mm -hmm. in this area and obviously there's a lot going on with facebook and uh, other social networks Uh, right now it's a huge conversation um which on one hand people uh you know might be tired of hearing about it but on the other hand they have a good base of knowledge right now in order to have the deeper conversations about it so mm-hmm. how do you see this working into facebook and, and other social things i almost want to stop referring to facebook as an overarching uh theme because it's not just facebook Absolutely not just facebook it is all social media and all forms of data collection in that application of gathering personal information. And we're not just talking your social security number, we're talking about everything that makes you, you. Everything that connects to you through the internet. So when we talk about edge computing, we're also talking about remote sensors that are passively picking up data about us. And we all know you guys have covered it extensively not just the phones, the laptops, but you know our monitors, our televisions. But now it's moving out to when you think of connecting your toaster, as we often joke about, that's a device that will be picking up what you're doing, where you're walking in the room, when you wake up in the morning, what you're saying, what your behavior, what your mood is, your inclinations of your mood. The devices will be monitoring us, and it is virtually all devices monitoring us, not just, you know, your personal assistant that is inter- that you interface with, whichever brand you choose. This is the insidious part of this. And let's talk about, you know, social media. I have another article called Social Media Addiction. And within that article in the May issue of Entangled, The subheading is the attention economy. Mm. And this is where you mentioned, you know, our kids. And this is, again, the insidious part of this is that we understand that because of technology, all of us basically are being moved into a mindset where we have the attention span of a goldfish. And it's no longer just joking about, you know, sound bites, but people literally are so trained by the interaction with their technology. And if you want to pick on phones, that's fine. 
but it has reduced our attention span and it has driven us to this insatiable desire to have positive reinforcement through social media. And that is insidious in the point that I want to cite one of the Facebook founders here in my article. And this is Sean Parker. And much has been talked about with Sean Parker lately in his comments, but he actually cited, and I'll read this. He explained that when Facebook was being developed, the objective was, quote, how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? Close quote. It was this mindset that led to the creation of features like the like button that would give users, quote, and this is from Sean's own words, quote, give users a little dopamine hit, close quote, to encourage them to upload more content. So we're talking about psychology and human physiology. Now, dopamine is a neurotransmitter that is naturally produced in our bodies. It enhances the connections between our synapses and our neurons. It's a neurotransmitter um, enhancer, but it releases that good feeling, that sense of, I want more. It isn't just a good, you know, a feel-good drug, like taking a, you know, a hit of um, heroin or something. What we're talking about here is dopamine actually causes you to want another round of positive reinforcement. And that's why they developed the like button. This is why you have all these thumbs up. All of this stuff was targeting people physiologically and just like a drug dealer hooking users into their technology go ahead mm. yeah no that's that's absolutely true it's uh and anybody out there that little red dot whether it's on your phone whether it's on your desktop uh, Facebook app and now you know ev- all sorts of applications are using it if you have an iPhone you got little red dots everywhere just calling your name um, and it's really it's interesting because on one hand uh, you know the dopamine response is part of our learning uh, that's that's one of the reasons why it's there. The dopamine response uh, is a m- while we're talking about machine learning, this is sort of the deep human learning. Uh, it's what compels us to continue uh, in action in order to be rewarded for it. So what you're saying is these Facebook guys, they basically uh, much like you would train a dog with those little clicker things and some treats, uh, we're activating our brain's learning uh, uh, activities or algorithms, however you want to say it. Uh, and we're literally training us to be addicted to their uh, social network or whatever it is, their app or their piece of hardware, an iPhone, something like that. It's It comes down to this concept where... Um, and I'll use Silicon Valley just as the sort of umbrella term for all these tech people. Silicon Valley was basically training the world to participate in this industry that they had created. I think without, it's quite possible that without the like button, all of Silicon Valley wouldn't be as successful as it is. I would agree with that. 
because from a psychological dependency as well as physiological, a, a drug dealing scenario dependency, I totally agree with you. These guys are no different than the drug dealers in their methodology. Mm. He's got, got to get my fix, man, which, you know, <laughs> which is difficult. Let's not let's not ignore the fact that especially for guys like us who, uh, you know, put uh, out our material online. Facebook is the largest marketplace to put out our material and interact with listeners and interact with people who uh, are uh, you know, the people we want to interact with, we have to, more or less, we have to do it on Facebook. And it's participating in that sort of like economy that helps, for instance, get the word out about this show mm-hmm. or, you know, puts us at the top of the algorithms for when our new episode comes out. And, you know, we, even we gauge, uh, you know, the, uh, the ecosystem of our listeners and the quality of our material by the likes that it gets. Uh, and it's, I, I don't see a way around it. I mean, it, is there, is there, am I just trapped? <laughs> no, not necessarily. And, you know, about a month ago, I came to the same point that you guys are at. And I, I said, do I really need Facebook? I mean, I never really posted that much on there about my, programs and my magazines to begin with. And I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to participate. I mean, it's there. My, you know, my page is there, but I don't post there. I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to play the game. I'm going to go elsewhere. There are plenty of other places. This was one of the reasons why I decided to follow in, you know, Gonza's footsteps and set up a Patreon campaign. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been wonderful. I, is, I just have been absolutely astounded at the number of people who have been so generous in supporting my research and what they get outside of Facebook is they get exclusive information that I don't share anywhere else just with, with them because, you know, let's, let's put it out there. They're paying for it. So they deserve the best that I can come up with and present to them. I call myself their researcher for hire. Yeah. And then I report back to them. And I think that's the way to beat places like, excuse me, Facebook is, as you said before we went on the air, bring it back old school, bring it back to where, hey, you, you pay to play, but that gives control both to the audience, to the participants, gives them control, and it gives us control. So we're not censored. They get the benefit of the information because it's not being censored. And they're hiring us to do inf- information research that they desire. They want to know more. They know that we have the expertise to do this research. So they hire us and they send to me topics that they want me to dig up information on and report back to them. And we do that through webinars. Mm. We do it through the Entangled magazine. We do it through posting on Patreon. And, you know, I'm very pleased and I'm very happy with Patreon. I I just think the community in there is very safe. We have our blankies. We have our binkies. I'm playing to Gons right now because of his new board. (laughs) But it's a safe place. And I love it. It's great. 
No, I, I agree. And by the time this uh, episode comes out, we will have actually uh, started our Canary Cry Radio Patreon campaign. Go so ahead. everybody out there, the, this may be the first or the second episode that comes out by the time our Patreon is available. And I love the way you're putting that. The um, You know, some shows out there uh, call it kind of a value for value model. If you get value, then you give value or you give value first and then that helps us create value. But uh, I, I love that the the ownership that Patreon creates um, because, yeah, it, we literally become the em- employee of the listeners. They, you know, have input and ownership of uh what they want to hear from for, for us the show or the shows rather and uh it's it, it's better that way it's I, I i love that because um it's better than us kind of trying to guess what's going to work and what's not uh, of course we take in all sorts of suggestions from a lot of different places but uh hey patreon supporters uh those are the people who are putting in the resources in order to make things like this happen in this world, in this economy, unless we were taking advertisements or something, there's no way to put in the energy or the resources into shows like this without, uh, you know, selling out in one way or another. And if we're going to sell out, I'd rather sell out to the listeners and take, take orders from the listeners than from advertisers or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree with you. What do you think, Gons? I totally agree. I, there's a lot of things I was thinking behind the scenes there, but as far as the the model of Patreon and and the whole you know listener model, yeah, I think it's definitely the better way to go because it causes me and I and I wish I don't know. There's probably stuff that can improve with the whole experience on Patreon, the platform itself, but they're doing a good job trying to keep up and make things better. But, um, you know, just I, I kind of wanted to bring the conversation back a little bit to all the stuff we were talking about, because I had a, a kind of an interesting thought that I wanted to throw at you to see if there's anything to it, because, you know, the data itself and people talk about data as the new oil and all this stuff, but data itself is has always been generated, right? It, it's, it wasn't the digital age when data began to exist. Data was always there. Information is sort of the, the unseen, un, intangible construct that holds up creation, right? So I always feel like this technology that we've received is in many ways, you know, the show Black Mirror kind of uses that phrasing to to describe it in a sense, but it is kind of a mirror that not just places a, a transparency over us and, you know, shows who we are because all our data is there. And when it's analyzed, like you said, it's going to look for patterns. It's We're going to be able, and this is what kind of freaks me out, is you know in the future they're going to be able to gather as much data as any device was able to capture right if you can collect data there's probably going to be similar to how we have fishing you know uh boats out there in in alaska fishing for boats there's probably going to be companies and stuff just gathering data from anything any device anything that had potentially gathered data over the years and then analyze and process that data i mean you know, how many times did we walk by something or, or do something or say something and, and all that being captured, it's kind of nuts, you know? And this speaks into Kevin Kelly's idea that I've brought up in the past of, uh, he believed that technology itself just in general, especially in the digital age was already the beginning of this 
sequence of events that will lead to a sentient AI to the point where he said that it's our children. Like technology is basically the child of humanity. And I mean, it's just kind of nuts, but sorry, I'm trying to, I'm spewing cause I was, I've been sitting back letting Basil take the wheel for a while. And I, I, I didn't really organize my thoughts. Hey, don't put this on me, brother. It's, it's all Basil's fault, but, um, <laughs> but the AI would help me organize my thoughts and spit it out in a much cleaner way in a nice flow chart. And, and I'll be able to, you know, I, I just think I just think the uh, w- what about things like chatbots and because here's the deal, looking at this technology that's coming out, noticing that it is pretty much here for businesses and entrepreneurs and things like that. The tools are already there. Whether they are you know efficient as efficient as they will be or can be is another question. But things like chatbots, you know, <laughs> they exist and they are probably pretty helpful for companies that are looking for a better interactive way to give frequently asked questions or just in general questions. And I think like, Hey, you know what, if we had a chat bot on like the, the Canary cry radio website or something, it would be really cool to be able to, you know, uh, help a person that that's new to the site, look for something, but you don't need a, I guess you don't need a chat bot for that, but yes, we do. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like those, those options are available. What about terminology? We throw a lot of technical terms around a chat bot could give people a glossary. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Or a, yeah, a translation sure. uh, into regular, you know, human speak instead of uh, techno crazy speak. Or different languages or anything. It, that, that's kind of the, the power of it. And so, ah, man, it, it is really the two-edged sword where it's, there's so much positive, but it can be used for so much evil. And I think our responsibility, people like you, Anthony, people uh, within the community discussing these topics, it's going to be really important for us to continue the discussion and really dig in like you are in order to to avoid the minds, so to speak, because it's going to become more obscure and things are going to get weird. And I, I just imagine in the next decade, things are just going to be very strange uh, as it, I mean, think, think back a decade to 2008, 2009, where we're talking now. I mean, it feels like it almost feels like a, a, a whole nother century or something. It, it, the amount of information that people have gathered and are able to process and, and then make decisions based on that, man, I mean, they're, they're literally bowing down to this unseen force that, that we have captured in, in our mathematics and in our, in our machinery. And, uh, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm deep breath guns. Let <laughs> me give you a couple of quotes to kind of encapsulate what you said, because you said it, I'm just going to give you some of these other guys. I won't cite the names. This is just from my article. All of us are jacked into this system. All our minds can be hijacked. Our choices are not as free as we think we are. Now, I'll put that in context. Mm -hmm, This mm -hmm. is coming out of Facebook founders. This is coming out of Google. This is coming out of the general Silicon Valley um, leadership. These quotes that I'm giving you here. Here's another one. This is coming from a TED talk, and this is talking about technology and psychology. So the quote is, a handful of people working at a handful of technology companies through their choices will steer a billion people Mm. into what they are thinking today. So we throw this umbrella over it, not just of, you know, Facebook and Google, but we talk about technology in general that people are enticed into. But let's go back to blockchain. My position on this with 
respect to cryptocurrencies is the carrot and the stick. They are getting people hooked into being comfortable, uh, being an early adopter and being comfortable with the notion of a blockchain system holding wealth. And then they can fold in all of the other areas of our life and our lifestyles into that blockchain environment. So let's relate it to what we're talking about with social media, specifically Facebook, because they've you know, been the guys that have been focused on and dragged up to, you know, Zuckerberg dragged before Congress. So take Facebook, Hegelian dialectic, problem, reaction, solution. Right now we're in the reaction phase with Zuckerberg being in Washington and testifying. What's the solution phase? They're going to migrate all social media, starting with Facebook, into the blockchain environment. Why? Because of this whole um, Cambridge Analytica discussion, and they're not the only players in this, about privacy and what is being done, not just with our private information, like our social security number, as I said, is just a touch point, but everything that we put into this system and everything that is being passively and thereby actively gathered about us that is being put into this system to protect all of that personal data about ourselves, our personalities, our behaviors, our wants, our desires, our mental state, all of those things are the data of us. People will now demand that all of that be placed in a blockchain environment because blockchain beyond cryptocurrency and its associated security is this notion that everything in a blockchain is encrypted and therefore cannot be hacked and therefore is private. But what people are not digging down deep enough is to say who has control and therefore the access to the data in the blockchain and who decides upon the public key for the encryption process. The public key is the code that you use to encrypt the data and the same key that is used to decrypt the data in order for it to be utilized. Who controls that? Who controls the encryption? Who controls the access, thereby the security, thereby the privacy, backing it all the way out to you know the average person? They're not going to understand that the encryption begins with quantum computing. And unless you have an identical quantum computer that was utilized to create the original encrypted coding, you cannot hack that encrypted information. Any attempt to collapses the encryption, collapses the superposition and the entanglement, the quantum entanglement of the quantum computing system. People don't understand, but what they're being played through this whole social media dynamic of getting people hooked on technology and thereby steered by it is the reaction, problem or reaction solution that they're embedded in. The solution will be presented to them as, hey, this is already set up. It's already secure. Why don't we move your data over here and we'll take care of it for you? Mm. There you go, guys. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And, and the blockchain itself is immutable the the idea that once the data is there 
and there's a consensus, a whole network of computers verifying that information, then it's permanent. You can't change it. That's the idea. And, mm-hmm. and then you're right. The encryption point is the, the interesting part of it. And uh, as far as with Bitcoin and stuff, I know that they use you know, certain algorithms, SHA-256 uh, and stuff. You know, those are just math equations that encrypt it. And in theory, you can sort of do that, th- those types of equations by hand. It takes a really long time. But yeah, at the same time, once you start using quantum computers, then you have uh, different possibilities and, and certain mathematical constructs that normally work may not work if there's quantum entanglement, if I'm not mistaken. Is that, is that, mm. do I have the idea right there? So that's why if you don't have the same quantum computing level, then you, you don't have the, the power to generate as many possibilities to, to unlock whatever you're trying to unlock. So uh, it's, it's pretty mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, not only the number of possibilities, what they call iterations, but just the simple fact that you're attempting to hack the system collapses the quantum state that exists. So if you have superposition, which is zeros can be ones and ones can be zeros simultaneously, and Uh they are communicating through quantum entanglement, if you try to interfere it immediately, the, sen- the system senses, and this is at the quantum mechanical discussion level. We're not talking about programming that senses this. Right. The actual mechanics that are involved sense the intrusion, which you would call in quantum mechanics, measurement. If you try to measure the system, right. it will collapse the superposition, and there's no hacking that can take place. Right. It'll, it'll spit out a number that That's crazy. may or may not be accurate. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it basically just locks down the whole thing if you're not yeah. trying to access from the correct uh, quantum state or however you'd yeah. want to say. That's very interesting. Um, now, just uh, we've talked about quantum computing here. We've dropped the bomb a few times here on this episode, and we've certainly talked about it in the past. Uh but I'm curious your thoughts on quantum computing and uh, in relation to everything else we're talking about, why exactly? Why quantum computing? And why, I mean, we're, we've <laughs> talked about how it's faster, how it's, uh, you know, theoretically safer or easier to control or keep out untoward access. Uh, but why quantum computing? Again, we'll use another umbrella. Why throw the big umbrella of the label quantum or quantum computing over almost everything in our life now? Everything is quantum this and quantum that. Yeah. And that's an excellent question. And the reason is because of the origins. The origins of computing, the origins of the binary system, and therefore the quantum systems. We talk about qubits in relationship to whether you're talking about D-Wave systems, quantum computers, or IBMs, or Microsoft. We're always kicking around a name like quantum, which is qubits, which just means quantum bits. And those, again, are just zeros and ones. The origins of all of that go back to the ancient practice of geomancy, which is the divining. Oh, we're getting into it now. There you go. The, The divining of seemingly random marks in the sand, in the soil, the casting of um, sticks and stones, the casting of lots, the casting of black and white stones, 
you guys, I know this is triggering in your heads like firecrackers going off because you know about all this stuff. But here's let me give you one just alarming fact that we dug up back in September and I published in my magazine. When Jesus Christ was in the temple. Ah, oh, thank you. Yes. And he was presented the prostitute that the crowd was going to stone and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were accusing her. And the famous line everybody's familiar with that, you know, Jesus said to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he who's without sin may cast the first stone. They quietly went away. Now, here's the point. What was he doing in the sand in the temple at the time that they were about to start a um, a festival of water, a festival of the water. He was actually, and I've, I've got the proof, and it's on one of the covers. I think it's September or October of Entangled Magazine. We have an ancient painting, and it's Arabic in origin, and then a later painting done based on the ancient Arabic, in which it clearly shows the practice of geomancy by Jesus Christ himself. And I've had people, you know, label me a heretic and that it's a blasphemous statement. Let me put it in context. In the time of Daniel, he did this as well, the sealing up of the book, the interpretation of the dream. But Jesus used geomancy specifically because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were practitioners of this dark art, a forbidden mm -hmm. art. And Jesus knew that the crowd surrounding the prostitute and himself were uneducated, did not know about this practice of geomancy in terms of being able to divine a message put in the soil by Christ himself. He communicated in the secret language only known by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He communicated to them in their language. He put down two symbols perhaps four, but at least two, via and populous. And he used those because he was saying to them, and in fact, we know there's four, and that's coming out in the May issue, the, the other two. I won't tell you what they are. But he put down four symbols, geomantic symbols, four of the 16, so that they would, number one, know that he was schooled in this. Then they would question, how is it that this simple man would even know this rarefied, secret, dark art form of communication? And how is it that he is speaking directly to us with these four specific symbols that literally put the fear of God in the Pharisees and Sadducees? They shut up. He gave them the opportunity because it was a secret communication to save face and turn and quietly walk away shortly thereafter christ was crucified there you go boom Whew. you know it's fascinating i've i've uh, seen only a little bit of this uh talk of geomancy and you mentioned casting lots which i always thought was very strange that uh you know people like the disciples were casting lots things like that uh to try to determine the will of god was this some uh, I don't know, 
Hebrew offshoot, cultural offshoot uh, phenomenon that was happening at the time? Or, uh, I mean, obviously you mentioned the Pharisees, um, but, you know, there's, there's certain things in the Bible like that where when you really think about them, you, you, you feel like there's something else going on. Well, geomancy was a common practice. Even Daniel, as I mentioned, when he was interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he used geomancy to do that. And then God said to Daniel, seal up the book until the latter days. In other words, he was telling him, no longer practice geomancy. Mm. It was a common practice, but God finally said, no, you do not need that anymore. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So seal up the book which is, was really a scroll, which really represents the flow, the water flow, again, going back to the festival at the time that I described in the temple, the water, the festival of water, water is knowledge. And he was sealing up that flow and damming it up until the latter days. Now the book of Daniel, I'm convinced, has been opened. And that the flow of knowledge, the increase of knowledge, to us that are possessed with the Holy Spirit. And I use that word possessed because the other side is being possessed of demons. We are possessed of the Holy Spirit is showing us and augmenting our minds, increasing our awareness, increasing our knowledge, because the book of Daniel has been unsealed. It doesn't mean we're practicing geomancy. Now, let me jump real quick over to the origins of geomancy. You at, you, you, you were asking if this was Hebraic, if this was Jewish. It, it is, but it has its deeper timeline origin back into Africa. So the Africans were practicing geomancy and other forms of a binary system. This, this goes into cantor sets and other forms of mathematics, but Coming full circle to what you asked me about 20 minutes ago, it seems like, <laughs> running off at the mouth here. No, it's all, it's this full circle. We, stay on script, buddy. Stay on we're, script. We're it's all right there to, in front of you. We're coming to the word quantum and quantum computing. It has its origins in Africa. It has its origins in all of what I just described to you. It is still a binary system. Now, does the fact that it's binary mean that necessarily it is geomantic? Absolutely it is. Mm. And again, we don't have time to go into it, but in detail in, in detail today, but if you look at the preeminent quantum computing systems out there from D-Wave, which you guys and we have covered extensively, all of the progressions of the numbers of qubits that they employ in each generation of computer walks lockstep with geomancy. And specifically, I'll just throw it out quickly, they are using the 16 symbols, geomantic symbols, in the quantum computing systems to program and operate the systems. What's the purpose? It is an interdimensional, by their own words, by Gordy Rose's own words, they're reaching into parallel dimensions and extracting resources. They're getting information. If people are familiar with John D. and Edward Kelly in the late 1500s or later, Aleister yeah. Crowley, all of this has to do with communicating with fallen angels and the obtaining of, of forbidden information and knowledge. What we see in technology today is derived from interdimensional spiritual communication, and this is forbidden knowledge that we are not supposed to be playing with. Go ahead. 
the floodgates have opened. I mean, we live in this time where it's not just like a drip. It's just it, it, the floodgates have opened. We're all being hit with it. It's crazy. Uh, I'm looking at the chart here, the geomantic figures. And um, so they have it as part of their, the, the quantum computing. Help me understand how, how they use that as part of, uh, if you can describe it more. Okay. Um, they will eventually build 16 different models. Um, they are at the fifth and soon to announce the sixth. They have progressed the number of binary qubits by the power of two. They're at the 2000 Q model, which is actually 2048. If you multiply that, it becomes 4096 and on out to the 16 models. Now, the direct correlation beyond just 16 models and then 16 geomantic figures takes us to quadrant. And I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag here, but D and Kelly, Crowley, even back into Africa, they used a square sand tray, just a square box, okay? Not necessarily a cube, just a square frame with sand in it. They would divide that with a cross in the middle into four smaller squares called quadrants. This is what they are using the quantum computers to do is to replicate that same quadrant box. This was used throughout all of the divination processes of geomancy. They are now taking the quantum computer that is gathering data and placing that data in that box. And then they prescribe the square dividing up the, divata, the, the data into four quadrants. And then they do a reading, divination. They do a reading on where those data points are concentrated within any one of those four quadrants. And the pattern within those four individual quadrants, the pattern of the data within just one square, they are now interpreting, they are now divining the meaning of those data points. They divine it by comparing those data points, that collection seemingly random, divining the meaning of that collection of data points in one square by utilizing their alphabet, their translating alphabet of the 16 geomantic figures that tell them what that seemingly random collection of data points in that square, what it means. So, so that when it interprets the data, it is, it is coming through as one of the, the symbols that we see on the chart is yep. or ow, that's crazy. Yeah, this one or more, one or more one of the symbols, more. typically four is all they need to determine and what they're trying to determine, if you're talking about an individual person that is asking the trained diviner to interpret, they're trying to interpret the immediate future or the extended future of that particular person that has hired, has enlisted the diviner. So the person, say it was me, I would just make some random marks in the sand. The diviner would come in, lay down the quadrant, and say, oh, according to my interpretation, and they use astrology, they use m complex mathematics, 
in Arabic times, they even had bronze metal computers with dials that would do the divination, do the interpretation, and those dials all had the geomantic figures on them. It's a very complex process. Now take, say, the bronze computer in ancient Arabic times or Sumerian or Babylonian times or even in the Hebraic times. You take that same computer and now you overlay it onto a D-wave quantum computer and you have exactly what they're doing behind the scenes with quantum computing is divination. Wow. That's incredible. I'm looking right now. You've led me down a rabbit hole here (laughs) of uh, looking at these symbols and quadrants and, and uh, you know, I'm noticing a theme uh, with some iconography that uh, those who are, Biblical prophecy people will recognize mm-hmm. there's a lot of dragon stuff. Um, there's the dragon's tail, dragon's head, um, things like that uh, for the names of these symbols. So, I, you know, the source is uh, pretty obvious here, uh, yeah. if spiritually speaking. Yes, this is all demonic in origin. Yeah, wow. This is incredible. I got to say, it's not easy to blow my mind, but you did it again. (laughs) I think I told you that last time. I think every episode we have, I say that same thing. You know, what's weird is that it it almost is like, kind of like in a sense, the the secrets of the universe, so to speak. It it does really, uh, I, I tend to think, uncover the way reality works. But the problem is, in the hands of any free will agent, it becomes a tool that is way too easily, you know, cast as, as to to manipulate, to control. Especially, you know, because you got you got these people behind the scenes, and they're the, the sciences and the occult have no difference anymore at that at that point. And you know, it's, I I just think it's very bizarre, you know, <laughs> that that. There's so much of a pattern with modern technology, the most modern cutting edge technology being something that uh, is so ancient and, and, you know, really does speak to the whole idea of there's nothing new under the sun. It just resonates so true. Um, But in terms of the Antichrist himself, how do you see him manipulating or using this technology? What what can we expect to see? What about the, the false prophet and calling fire down from heaven, all those events uh, not that specifically, but any event uh, described in Revelation, the book of Daniel, Ezekiel, uh, spread out throughout the Bible. How does the Antichrist figure, the man, the man of sin, utilize this technology in your view? Mm-hmm. Lying signs and wonders. So he will perform supernatural wonders in order to deceive people into believing that he's God. And we know that. If we go back into the ancient practices of alchemy, the purpose of alchemy was to obtain, through spiritual means, through mediums, through rituals, information that enabled the person to actually physically manipulate matter. In those days, they only really understood elements. And so we're talking about at the molecular level. They didn't really understand the atomic level, and they certainly didn't understand the quantum level. But at 
the manipulation of elements in alchemy, the old, you know, lead into gold scenario, was really what you were saying in your very first opening comment or statement, Gons, and that was, you know, data is the universe. Data is everything. It's the manipulation of the universe. It's the understanding of the built-in mechanism that data already exists. There's no data that's, quote, being generated. It's simply the gathering and, in, and interpretation of what already exists in the universe. And that's not new age. And I know you're not trying to you know, sound that way. I agree with you on that. And that, therefore, if you're looking at what already exists in terms of matter and energy and spirit, you cannot separate the spiritual from the physical. They work hand in hand together. And so if through spiritual means you're given the Enochian alphabet from the book of Enoch, it's a language. If you are given um, the mathematics that then prescribe mathematically the geometric arrangement of matter, you can change the geometry if you know the language, which gives you the instructions. If you're given the mathematical formulae, this is what Dee and Kelly got in their communications with the fallen angels in the 1500s. Mm-hmm. They would change the geometric arrangement of elements so as to change lead into gold. It's geometry. If we talk about CERN and quantum particles and quantum mechanics and colliding particles, this is the rearrangement. It's an alchemic process, the rearrangement at the quantum scale of matter. This is what this whole thing is about. They want to have the ability to change God's creation. They can't create, but they can change. They can terraform the planet. They can change the planet into what the Antichrist, what Satan wants. Satan, he is to be imprisoned here. Mm. God imprisons him here. He knows that, and he's given but a short time. So he is pre-staging his technologies for the time when he's imprisoned here. And these technologies are those that will, we know, will kill off at least a third of mankind, as Scripture says, and will be the system that will control, not just buying and selling, but literally control people through this technology. And he wants to change God's earth creation into his own terraformed creation, a a earth, a prison of his liking. Now, this sounds like hyperbole on my part, but when you look at the hardcore science, as I do, and you look at the ancient origins, you can see it all playing out when you lay scripture on top of it. Go ahead. It seems like the plan... It's. I lost it. I had it, and then I lost it. The, the plan. The plan is actually God's plan. You know, the the thing that often comes up in these discussions that we have is, you know, fear just becomes this rampant thing that just ripples through the audience when we start talking about these things. And quite the opposite is what we're trying to instill: is that we give you the evidence of evil so you can see it for yourself. But the main point is to understand that even the evil we present, the technology as an example, all falls under God's plan. God 
is using Satan as a tool. He, you, you use the word oftentimes, Johns, and that's Gollum. And he is. He's just a little shriveled up little creature with very little power. And the only power he has is that which give, is given to him by God. He is an instrument of God's judgment. So all of this that we're presenting here should not cause fear unless you are one who is not saved. If you are not saved, if you have turned your face from God, then you will suffer the coming judgment because Christ is soon to return. With the acceleration of all of this technology we see, we know that his time to return is very close. And now he comes back in judgment in righteous judgment. So if, you know, and and I'm a sinner like anybody else, and it's only by God's grace that I've been saved and that I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit. But anybody who is not saved should be fearful of the things that you and I are talking about today, the three of us. Yeah. You know, that that's a great point. It's uh, these things that uh, you know, we're talking about on this show, the things being revealed um, to us and people like us is not is not anything new. I mean, we already know what's going to happen. We already know that this is planned out. It's been uh, it's been set in the the history, past and future. And all we're doing is identifying it as it happens. And we're the not, details, we're, we're not, which are mind-blowing. Yeah, we're not revealing some new plan that we never knew about. So, yeah, that's exactly right. You, you know, listening to this is even being here in the conversation. It's easy to kind of lose sight of that. Be like, oh, my gosh, they're doing it. The, <laughs> you know, the devil's he's, he's pulling some tricks on us. But they're not pulling tricks. I mean, we're just identifying the mechanisms by which this plan will be uh, initiated, carried out. out. And we know the response. We know the divine response by uh, our creator and our savior. And uh, that's good news. Yeah, the only reason I'm sitting here having a conversation with the two of you and, and your audience listening in is for the salvation of souls. It's as simple as that. Yeah, you know, I, I was actually, you know, in creating Age of Deceit 3 here, one of the main sort of uh, topics I'm really digging into is this concept of a harvest of humanity uh, and and how there's, you know, there's kind of a, not, not that, because it gets into the rapture talk, topic, and I don't want to get into the rapture, but, but there's an idea, I feel like there's an idea that there's a, that Satan wants to do his own reaping, you know, the, his own harvest of humans um, to take down with him. And it just seems like the splitting that, that tangible splitting that we've been identifying through the movement of transhumanism and everything else. It's weird how, it, how tangible it is and how much it's in front of us. And then we look at a prophecy like the rapture, like the idea of, of a harvest and we we think like okay that's kind of a supernatural thing but it feels like reality itself is put out of place almost with with the power the antichrist is given the power the dragon gives him and whatnot it's almost like reality becomes unhinged literally and so that's where jesus steps in and he's able to step in and all these supernatural things that are described in especially the book of revelation that seems so you know, that people have just allegorized because, well, how can this be literal? Because, 
you know, it's just too wild. Um, when you start talking about the unhinging of reality, then those things become possible. And, and I feel like the digital realm has always been leading to that because this concept of, uh, oh, I, we, we were talking about Ready Player One recently, Basil and I, and the line, one of the lines at the beginning of the movie, they talk about the Oasis, which is this virtual realm that everyone is basically working in and existing in. And he says that the, the Oasis is the place where anything you imagine to do is possible. You can be anything, do anything, blah, blah, blah. They get into the whole thing. And that's just the exact same line that comes from Genesis 11 in the Tower of Babel, where God said, anything they imagine to do will now be possible for them. And so we, we got to put an end to this you know, for, at that time. And I feel like whatever they were doing there, we're doing again now. <laughs> and, and it's not going to lead to a good place because whatever they imagine to do, you know, and then God telling us that there's none righteous, not one among us. So ultimately, uh, we will create our own antichrist. We're, we're building it ourselves in a sense. And that's part of, um, like you said, it's, it, Satan is a tool for judgment, but it's also kind of a necessary thing that exists when we talk about free will and existing in this creation and having the ability to love God back as, as, a, as a practice of something we choose to do um, in a universe that allows that there has to be these evils. And, and ultimately God is telling us, Hey, eventually it's all going to, it's the justice is, is going to come and all that stuff is going to balance out. And so, uh, you know, that's the hope we have as we kind of tread through this stuff. But uh, what do you see happening in the next few months, few years that that can probably uh, that might really change the way we deal with our everyday lives. Well, I agree. You know, you and I worked together on a book called Revising Reality with Douglas Woodward, and it is that it is the revision of reality. I think what we can look forward to is more and more of this movement, not just of social media into the blockchain, but understanding what blockchain really is contained within itself. Now, this is something that you broke, I think, gosh, it must be coming up on two years ago, the Sentient World Simulation, the SWS out of Purdue University, which went mm. live in 2007. This blockchain is contained within that SWS, that new revised reality which is what you were just talking about. The SWS is where our avatars, which they're promoting, people like George Church with the Human Genome Project. Um, many people are in technology are promoting the idea of these avatars, hundreds of avatars, not just you know digital, as I said, but one or more that will be physical avatars. This is what they're promoting within the SWS environment. So what we can look forward to is this further integration of our daily lives into this new revised reality of the SWS, beginning with moving everything we do, everything we interact with into that blockchain. Think of it as the, you know, the, the steel girders, the web, if you will, all of the structure that gives the sentient world simulation its structure. And so this movement is already starting, I think, with social media being the problem reaction solution, the solution being put everything that is you into this secure environment. And again, that's a lying wonder. I mean, Satan is the father of lies, and he's lying to you when he says all of your data 
is secure, when in fact it is not. So let me give you a scenario. Let's say you are involved with cryptocurrencies and you amass a million dollars worth of a cryptocurrency or multiples. And someone in control of that system comes to you and says, would you like access to your million dollars in cryptocurrencies? And you go, yeah, of course. They say, well, then you're going to need to take this mark. Now, they may not call it the mark, and certainly they won't call it the mark of the beast. But there will be a point through our free will that you just mentioned, Gons, to make a choice to take this mark, whatever it is. I don't believe it's an RFID chip, but some access code into your bank account, your cyber account. And if you don't take it, then obviously you lose your million dollars and you lose the ability to buy and sell. You are cut out of the system. And this yeah. is exactly what scripture talks about. And that's what I see coming very soon is this mark of the beast access once they get people through the carrot and the stick. I mean, you can put your DNA, your human genome coding into the blockchain. This is what George Church is all about over in Switzerland. Once people do that and they are given as a reward a token for putting their human genome sequence into the cloud, or not in the cloud, into the blockchain, they get their carrot back. They get a token for that. They think, wow, this is great because this is where people are at. They've been <laughs> programmed into this problem reaction solution and in the solution given a reward, a monetary reward for buying into this whole process of being deceived and lied to. So I'll stop there. Why? Why stop there? <laughs> yeah, why stop? Let's just go all the way to the end. Oh man, I feel like I feel like we're running into battle, like full on, head first, just taking it all in. Um yeah, you're right. This this sort of um, you know, we early on when we uh, we we talked about the sentient world simulation. I think it was maybe like 2012 or 2013. It was pretty early uh in the Canary Cry radio days, but we also talked very early on about this concept of a virtual panopticon. And you know, the virtual panopticon being a a panopticon itself being a prison system where you have a central watchtower that's 360 degrees and then and then around the tower uh, in a you know a circular or a, you know sort of a rounded fashion, are a bunch of prison cells, and so at any point the watchtower can have a gun and pick off anybody who's not you know obeying or doing what they're supposed to do within the cells. So each prison uh, person in the prison can't see the watchtower, the person in the watchtower, but the watchtower can see everybody, and that's that's kind of the idea here with surveillance in the computer. You can't see the person watching you in a computer. Oh, I'm I'm losing my my train of thought. I was, the baby I was man, the baby's been draining you. I know it's so bad. It makes me nervous though, because I do think about the kids in the future and and how they're going to respond to this. And 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 oh, the, the, what I was going to say was this is how close we are, I think, to the mark. Okay, you said you know put all your data, or at least you know let's put it on the blockchain so that it is secure. Number one. And then, you know, the way you can access it already, I think this is, this is something that, that we have the technology to do already. I think adoption is, is really the last phase of this, but using your biometrics, literally your, your thumbprint, and they're trying to go with the, the face thing, although 
I, don't, I think people are pretty uncomfortable right now. They're going to need to do a little more, you know, brainwashing before they can fully integrate the whole base thing. But definitely the fingerprint, the thumb, that will be your ability, your way to access, you know, whatever uh, information digitally. And, you know, you, you, I, I've seen the jokes and stuff, or maybe it was, a, I can't remember if it was a real story or if it was a satire story, but some story about, uh, you know, somebody going to, um, a gravesite or, or a funeral, an open casket funeral and grabbing their hand to open their iPhone so they can get into some bank accounts and stuff. So having that become normalized is such a close step to, you know, some currency and some, you know, new cryptocurrency that's being issued that does all this stuff. And like you said, all the lying wonders, maybe it's something that does something really crazy because like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, the whole idea of crypto and blockchain, it's, it's not just money. It's, it's more than that. It's information, any kind of information, any kind of contract. And, and it's all locked into this network where you can't be an individual person on an individual computer and try to hack in and change it. You can't do that anymore. So my mind is blown. Anthony, you just blew my mind. I, I'm, you've left me speechless at this point after rambling. And Let's go to the positive side. Okay, so we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Where do we go from here? Well, if we look at if we look at Scripture, if we look at John fourteen twelve to fourteen, John fourteen, Christ is addressing just prior to his crucifixion the disciples, and he indicates that we will do by his own words. He says, "I don't have it in front of me," but his own words that we will do. And he's addressing us in the latter days. We will do even greater works. That's the word. Works. Than he himself. Than Christ himself. And then he says that he will be going to, you know, to his father. So just before his crucifixion, he's saying, and this is how I interpret works, is that we know that you're not saved through works. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is what I would use a more modern word, and that is augmentation. Now, you guys have seen this in the discussions of AI and computing in general, augmentation. But quite literally, our minds right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are being augmented. We are being changed so that we can understand these rapidly evolving technologies. We, you... Basil, myself, you know, Gans, we have this interest in technology and science. And so that's been given to us. That joy of research has been given to us, that exploratory or exploration um, drive that we have has been given to us so that we can do his work with a sense of joy and discovery. For the individual person out there that does have the Holy Spirit, understand that the greater works, I can't imagine us raising the dead, you know, or feeding the multitude. I can't imagine doing that. But as you said, Gons, you know, there are things that people can't imagine that we read in Scripture that they consider to be, you know, an analogy or allegorical. But God does tell us that we will be doing supernatural things. And therefore, if we look at people like Ray Kurzweil, who pushed the transhumanist agenda and this 
uploading of our consciousness and our minds into computers and all of this. These are the fantasies of Satan. AI is a fantasy of Satan. All of the quantum computing is a fantasy of Satan. We have more power through the Holy Spirit than even Satan has, and certainly more than his minions. Therefore, God will always keep our minds a, not just a step, but many steps ahead of AI. Satan and his minions in technology can put forth these prognostications about the wonders and the advancements, and we're going to do this next year and five years out. And as Gordy Rose from D-Wave said, AI, when he was speaking about Quadrant, he said that AI will do everything that a human can do, but better. And he repeated it three times. <laughs> These are the fantasies of Satan coming out. There's no way that a machine, through God's plan, God will never allow a machine, and that's all AI is, to exceed his own creation. This is where we should take solace. This is where we should take comfort, is understanding that we're in the hands of God. He protects us. The Holy Spirit, we talk about the full armor of God in Scripture. The Holy Spirit provides all the armor we need against 5G, against all of the technologies and advancements of AI, all of their uh, attempts to control humanity through the blockchain and the sentient world simulation. That is not for us. That is for the unsaved. And I want to repeat that. What Satan is building is for the unsaved. If you mm -hmm. do not want to be a part of that, then you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, renounce your sins, become and dwell with the Holy Spirit, thereby take on the full armor of God, and be a soldier. Be a soldier, as you said, Gons. Step boldly out onto that battlefield like the three of us are doing, and look at Gollum in the face, in his eyes, and say, you're nothing in comparison to God the Creator. I rest my case. Amen. <laughs> Amen. One of the positives, I would say, you know, the people that are really skeptical of, of cryptocurrencies and stuff that, that folks should focus on, and I, I'm trying to bring this to more people's attention, but, you know, there's this concept of banking the unbanked. It's mentioned a lot when you hear about cryptocurrencies because essentially it's going to allow people in remote areas, third world nations, or places, you know, people that are in places that are heavily oppressed by their corrupt governments, um, especially across Africa, North Africa, especially, and, and through the Middle East. Um, and into parts of Asia, uh, you look at that area where they're saying, "Hey, we, these are the people that are that are going to really benefit because we're going to put you know cell phones in their hands and they're they're going to be able to access this global currency." It's a very similar window of region to, I think it's called the 1040 window by the Joshua Project, which they basically label as the unevangelized. So I think it's a really interesting opportunity here as a Christian to ride this wave of innovation that's going to bring cell phones into the hands of you know potentially millions uh, across areas that are underdeveloped and bring the bible to them because this this might be the you know really the last days to really spread the gospel and it in matthew 24 i think it's 14 does say 
that the gospel will spread to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. So to fulfill that prophecy, this might be something where we're like, hey, we have we see the opportunity to participate in this innovation to spread the gospel. Uh, let's let's build something because um, then then we're doing something. <laughs> you know, we're not just like hiding in a cave. Well, you're um, doing the 180. Not, yeah, exactly. You're 180 in what would otherwise be seen as nefarious and you know, um, you know, not of a beneficial nature. And you and I, the three of us, we're using this technology that I'm lambasting here and, and tearing <laughs> apart, but we're using it to spread, you know, the word of salvation, the good news. And I agree with you. If you can get cell phones out to people or whatever communication device that will carry and transport the gospel to every corner of the planet, so be it. doesn't yeah. matter the origin of the technology. technology it's how it's applied. Right. And, and there's something really interesting, I think, that's very prophetic about this and, and this concept of uh, decentralization. And you mentioned the blockchain. If you put the Bible on the blockchain, you can't change it. And it's there. And you have a network of people that are going to be hosting to maintain that information to remain as it is. Mm -hmm. uh, to eliminate that would require quite the computing power and quite the takeover or, or a complete blackout of technology. Of course, that's, that's always an option. Although uh, that would take down the, the very communication systems that the elite would want to use. So I don't know, unless they have like the quantum computing at their fingertips already and, and you know, they can kind of bypass all that. But, but you know, just kind of practically speaking, it would take something of the elimination of Christians in general because the Bible is going to be sitting there on this digital medium that anyone can pretty much access encrypted and everything. So you can't just like tear it down unless you take down every single computer that how uh, you know hosts a node uh it's an interesting concept i think when you talk about flipping it around 180 putting the positive spin on it like hey you can make the bible stick in the digital format anyway um and let it be there until you know until either we're eliminated or satan decides to figure out a way to try to eliminate it in the digital realm but i just find that there's a lot of prophetic implications there with what we might face if these things do you know, unfold in our, in our lifetime. But even if they don't, I think we should just keep building stuff and moving towards what we're supposed to do. So I I'm a hundred percent with you on that, Anthony. Uh, anything else you want to, I think Basil already set you up with that, but is, is there anything else you want to mention? Well, I, again, you're underscoring what God commanded us to do. And that is to occupy until his return until, you know, Jesus told us this, you know, to occupy until his return. And right. I think his return will be marked by a line in the sand. We often hear this when, you know, we, we talk about Syria and the line in the sand. Well, you know, there's a lot going on in Syria right now that's very prophetic as well. And the 14th of May, we have the movement of the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. And, you know, there's a lot going on today. I mean, yesterday there was a huge you know, strike supposedly by Israel on Syria and destroyed some 200 Hezbollah missiles. So we have to keep our eyes on what's going on. But what we're talking about as far as technology, the three of us are, you know, we're occupying in the way that God has directed us to occupy our time and where we spend our time and what we focus on and what we bring to people. There are other people with other missions and other areas of expertise that also bring the gospel in a different fashion to 
different audiences. So we're just going to have to continue doing what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. And uh, at some point, the line is drawn in the sand, and that's the end of it. There's no more AI. There's no more advancement. And, uh, you know, Christ is going to return, and he's going to deal with the Antichrist. And, he, you know, the Antichrist, I believe, is alive in physical form at this time. And without getting into the rapture scenario, as you said, Gons, you know, his identity is not revealed until post-rapture. So we don't really know who he is or where he is, but we can certainly see the infrastructure being put in place for the Antichrist time. And if you look at what is prophetically outlined in Revelation as to the actions and activities of the Antichrist, certainly it requires high tech to pull it off. Amen. Well, Anthony Patch, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has truly been uh, one of the most impactful conversations uh, that we've had. And uh, I really appreciate you making the time. Uh, why don't you go ahead and remind people how they can get a hold of more of your material, how they can connect, how they can uh, support what you're doing and what you got coming up. Well, it's all there at anthonypatch.com, and that'll take you to Patreon. And I thank my patrons for their support. It'll take you to the latest information about Entangled Magazine, where you can subscribe there. When you subscribe, you get all of the back issues back to June of last year. And uh, Gons, I think I sent you the links for that. So just share that with Basil, if you would, so you can see Geomancy, and you can see the temple, and you can see Jesus there, and you can see the chip overlay that we didn't mention, and that is if you take the architecture of D-Wave's quantum chipset containing qubits, and you overlay that chipset, its blueprint, with the blueprint of Solomon's temple, they are virtually identical, and that's on the cover of one of my magazines. Huh. Yeah. The implications right. of that will blow you away. All right. So, well, everybody out there, make sure to check out those links. Check out what Anthony Patch is going on, if you're not already, which I imagine a, a number of you are. Any last words, Anthony? Nope. Just God bless you and God bless our audience. I just pray for everyone's soul because that's what's going on with uh, Satan is he's trying to turn people away from the face of God. Our mission is to turn them directly toward God. So God bless everyone. Amen, brother. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that. Anthony Patch, thank you so much for coming on the show. We got we to gotta wrangle that guy more often. Yeah, people seem to love Anthony. He's got a lot of great insight. And I know some people... I love Anthony. Yeah, I know you love Anthony. <laughs> you got dibs. Uh, Yep, I got dibs on Sir Anthony Patch, Knight of the Canarians. Oh, boy. Uh, 
<laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to go to facebook.com slash groups slash Canary Cry community. Join up in the community. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of memes. Lots of conversation. Lots of connecting of Canarians. I know there's every once in a while there's a roll call for locations and uh, people are talking, meeting each other, meeting in person, connecting with other Canarians, people just like them. And so if you want to get in on that, go to facebook.com slash groups slash Canary Cry community. And while you are at it, head over to canarycrynewstalk.com. We've got our new uh, aggregation going on there. If you are looking for a place where you can find all of your Canary Cry radio related news stories, that's the place to go. I mean, there's at least, I mean, I don't know, there's got to be like 30 of them every week we're going to be posting there. So um, if you want to keep up with what's going on in the world, make sure to do that. Yeah, we, you know, Basil complains to me all the time that like, hey, all we're talking about on the news talk is is AI and robots and transhumanism and, and just, you know, the crazy science. Um, but that's really... Yeah what we talk about let me so. go through i'm gonna yeah I'm gonna, <laughs> that's what we talk about but there's all sorts of stuff um i'm gonna go through here we got CRISPR fans fight for equalitarian access to gene editing oh. that's one that didn't make it on the show but uh you know all this talk about equality you know we should all have the right to <laughs> equal access of gene editing um, and all sorts of fun stuff there. I mean, remember, we've got categories like NASA's lying to you, bro, and consp- <laughs> conspiracy theories, and also sometimes facts. And uh, because science, and one of our personal favorites, speaking of the beast system, uh, that's right. So go get all your news there. <laughs> get all your news. No, add to your news. Add to your here. news. Yeah, make <laughs> your it another source. <laughs> Your news supplement, go to canarycrynewstalk.com. And while we are recapping our big announcements, we have begun our Patreon fundraising account over on patreon.com slash canarycryradio. We have had some of the best supporters over the years, but... It's been a a very small group. A very small group of people have kept this show running financially over the years. And to them, we are eternally, eternally grateful. And if you would like to join that group, uh, that rare, that rarefied air to supporting Canary Cry Radio financially, you can head to patreon.com slash canarycryradio. And we have developed some reward levels that's going to have some really cool stuff on there. Things like access to the Discord channel, which is a, a private chat server for Canary Cry Radio fans. And actually, when we begin doing live... Uh, recordings or recordings where you know groups of people can listen i guess that's live recordings they will most likely be done on that discord server so if you want access to uh, the live stuff we are planning to do go ahead and head over to patreon we also have uh fun things like uh, uh we've got our stickers and journals canary cry radio stickers and journals you can show your support and uh, that journal is going to be uh, quite the conversation starter when you bust that sucker out at Starbucks. Those are being handcrafted by uh, Poyema Designs. 
And uh, what else we got over there, Guns? I guess I should pull up the page. I could just read straight from the page. Imagine that. Well, we're not going to show all our cards at once here. So okay. keep in mind okay. that there are things there's yet to little, come. There's your little teaser. There's all sorts of stuff coming. Um, but we do have a goal, Guns. What's our goal? We get to 100 patrons. We will have a special episode uh, involving a topic that is uh, beloved by many Canarians. Uh, we know this as a, a fact, correct? Basil, this is a it's, fact. The data is in. I have the data points to support this. When we reach 100 patrons on Patreon, uh, that again, we're counting people, not dollars. Yes. So people who uh, listen to the show and decide this is worth my patronage, even for a dollar. When uh, 100 people decide that, we have our very special episode. It'll be one where that me and Gons uh, put together. Maybe we'll have some uh, special guests on there. But uh, it's one I'm particularly excited about. So if you are getting pumped now and you listen to the show for years, weeks, months, days, or if this is your very first episode and you feel like this is a program worth supporting, you can let Gons and I know that the last six years of our life <laughs> have not been wasted by going to patreon.com slash canary cry radio support the show. So thank you very much, everybody. Gons, am I forgetting anything? Um, you can still go to canarycryradio.com slash support and you can get all the info to Patreon there as well. If you don't want to type in Patreon and slashes and all kinds of other yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Gons, here's something that I realized. I was doing the I was doing the math for this week, what's going on this week. Between all of our shows and the bonus episodes that go out to the Patreon supporters, and I'm not even counting Face Like the Sun videos, we have something like five different episodes coming out this week. Yeah, that's pretty Isn't good. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, a lot of content. I, yeah. We basically have a piece of content. And again, I'm not even counting Face Like the Sun, which you do all sorts of stuff there. You and I are uh, hard at work putting out as much content as we possibly can. So there you go. If you guys just, I'm just putting that out there. If you are hooked into all of our streams, you basically get something new every day. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And, you know, I know you have your, the Joyspiracy Theory uh, yep. coming out pretty consistently hopefully yep well we're, we're we're working on it yeah. things have picked up recently and yes i'm including the joy spiracy theory we've got another episode coming out this week and bonus episodes going on over there at the tjt uh, uh patreon patreon.com slash the joy spiracy theory i've started another little series called ask baz where uh listeners can send me questions whether it's about life or faith or me personally oh, i might, I might People, have to participate i didn't even know about yeah. this i uh, know i've kept it quite a good secret yeah but uh we've got another episode of that coming out this week too uh, i'm sure there's a uh, there's a guy named pat that might be like hey you stole the title of your episode from me but it's okay it's it's different enough yeah we're not gonna plug whatever crazy podcast you're talking about um <laughs> All right, guys, there you go. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time. But until you do, think outside the cage. You drink the coffee and just wait for the effects. 
There we go. Thank you. Finally, somebody talking some sense around here. Hey, are you still here? Are you drinking that coffee again post-episode? You're crazy. No, okay. I'm not crazy. Close the thing. Where is the thing? There it is. Okay. Okay.